Hello everyone, welcome to a very special edition of Hue at Home. We are here at the King's Head Pub. It is the Tech Thursdays TNT startup and it's all about the bright young stars right here in Winnipeg. We're talking about the future of business and innovation right here in our city. But before we get things started, um, it's a little bit about, about this woman here, Leanne. You are an entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit about your business. Oh, thank you. Um, I started a company called Raft & Co. So it's, we are here to partner with your company and support um, both of your appreciation business internally and externally. Um, I left a little bit more information at the back as well as some cookies for everyone to enjoy. So I'd appreciate if you checked out our website or followed us on social. Um, but we're very excited to be here tonight. What's the website? <laughs> well, of course, there's a glitch today, <laughs> being Tech Thursday and all, um, but it's raftandco.ca. Perfect. Well, congratulations and all the best. And I'm sure there's a lot of, like, maybe Dragon's Den businessmen that, out there and people out there that will uh, support you. So Perfect. thanks so much. Thank you. So Everybody, much. there's cookies at the back after the show. Thank you. <laughs> And that is how we do business in Winnipeg. All right, so this is a special conversation. We have some incredible guests and a very big thank you to mayoral candidate, Rana Bakari, for showing up. She's a little bit out of her element. I won't, you know, kind sort of, of kind of, sort of, yes. Remember, you have to put kind the mic of. up. <laughs> it's on. Is it working? <laughs> okay, <laughs> anyways. On my right, which might be your left if you're watching, we have founder and entrepreneur of Rentry, Jordan Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His mic is on. And directly beside me, I have the beautiful Gloria Tom. She is an angel investor and part of the Manitoba lead for Startup TNT. And that's a mouthful, and I really want to know about Startup TNT, but thank you so much for being here, Gloria. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, everybody. And then, saving the best for the last, we have Matt Gale, and Matt Gale is pitching in. He's the pitch whatever they call him in baseball, right, that stands in and goes up to bat. But anyways, Matt Gale, he is the CEO of Polysense Solutions. Thank you for coming, Matt. Oh, and I'm Tracy Koga. I am the creator of Hue Productions and I Like Hue, and we really wanted to bring everybody together tonight to learn more, for me and Rana, about the incredible talent that we have here in our city and in our province, and how do we keep you here? You know, how do we keep you and then attract more like you to our city to make us the best city in the land. Forget Toronto, forget Montreal, forget Vancouver. It's got to be Winnipeg. So we're talking about business, small business, and it has changed a lot in the last, for sure, two years, and maybe on the cusp of even changing before the pandemic. So I'm going to give it to Jordan. Yeah, I, oh, is this working? <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, up until this moment, like uh, just generally speaking, when we think about like small business, it's typically associated with maybe brick and mortar, like especially in the city of Winnipeg. But 
more and more as we've seen like during this pandemic it's kind of changed you know to maybe hybrid levels or maybe small businesses like a lot of individuals in this room um, like me where it's a, it's a startup or maybe you're a freelancer or a graphic designer so personally speaking I think it's really important for that conversation to happen what really is small business and yeah and how it's changing that's that's my personal opinion on that one okay so how does this apply to Rentery a little bit about Rentery and how you started yeah, so I guess Rentry is a peer-to-peer -peer platform where individuals and businesses can list, discover, and rent out everyday items. So pretty similar to a concept like Airbnb, but you're potentially able to rent out a kayak or maybe a camera or something that's really going to help you out from a do-it-your-own-self perspective. Um, and I always say it, me and my girlfriend, for example, we just went across country. A um, little bit of a hippie kind of scenario there, but we needed to rent out camp spots or kayaks or or whatever it might be for that particular scenario. But that's a little bit about Rentry. Um, and sorry, what was your other question? <laughs> that's it. Uh, how it came about. Yes. I guess uh, similar to like just other millennials out there, um, you know, I was on another adventure in Vancouver and just actually wanted to kayak. And just the process to do so wasn't as easy as I thought it should be. It was just full of Google searches, phone calls, and all that jazz just to see even what shop was relocated near me or whatnot. Um, so as, yeah, as, as just didn't really sit with me, to be honest, and I thought there could have been maybe a more simplified and centralized approach to that. Um, so then, yeah, kind of just went back home, and then with a, a great group of individuals that kind of joined, joined this adventure with me, uh, we came up with Rentry. Like, yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk later on how we can expand this, because I think it's a brilliant idea, and I know that it just totally fits into way to the way I think people are living their lives now. Uh, Matt, I mean, I'm just going over the businesses, you know, we'll get those out of the way, no. So <laughs> PolySense Solutions, what is it and how did you start? So PolySense Solutions, uh, we do uh, equipment monitoring basically, so we have hardware that can mount onto, or it's, it's basically a smart plug that we have. So you can plug it into the wall, you plug your machine into it, and it'll tell you how much electricity it's using, when it's being used, how often it's being used, if it's broken down, um, that kind of stuff. And I, I came from um, managing like engineering teams and a lot of equipment and found that it was frustrating that none of the equipment could talk to us. So it's like an IoT company, basically. So I could never know when equipment is broken down, how often it was being used, um, that, like, when it needed maintenance and that kind of stuff. So uh, that made me create PolySense Solutions. And what was the best thing since doing that for you? What was the best thing? Yeah. Um, besides <coughs> being your own boss. Besides <laughs> being my own boss? Oh, shoot, that was my answer. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just, yeah, the, the flexibility and the, just the, it's just, uh, it's really cool to just build something and actually see it coming alive. And, um, you know, it's been, as everybody in this room can probably attest to, it's, you know, it's a roller coaster ride, but it's, it's fun to, uh, that ride is fun. So, yeah, I think it's, Besides being my own boss, that's probably the funnest part is the, the hustle, I guess. Yes, and I think that's sort of the magic, right, of being your own boss or being an entrepreneur. And speaking of entrepreneurs and getting people started in startups, Gloria, Startup TNT. Yes, so Startup TNT began in 2019 in Alberta. And since that time, we have raised $7 million and invested in 50 startups in Alberta and Saskatchewan. With the success that the Startup TNT brand has had in these other provinces, when they looked at expansion, 
um, we started having a conversation and historically it's been extremely difficult for founders to raise capital in Manitoba. So I really saw an opportunity to jump on board with a great team that knew how to do this already, get together with local angel investors, bring them into a syndicate, and together as a community, we start investing in Manitoba startups. Wow, okay, and that leads me then to another question. Over the past couple of years, especially women, have come into the entrepreneurship, the self-employed, let's like, let me make my own business and I can do it at home. Where do we all fit in, in this big picture? Well, I'm very happy to say that as more time goes by, that gender gap for women in entrepreneurship is starting to close and we're starting to see some really positive change, but there's still a lot of barriers and difficulties that women face, not just in entrepreneurship per se, but in leadership and business overall. Yeah, and we'll get into that about how to lead a negotiation, how to get more money or ask. It's always been a barrier for females, I think. Absolutely, and there's there's different barriers, right? Um, you know, financial resources and funding for female entrepreneurs has historically been lower uh, than and, and more difficult to source than it has been for ma for the uh, male-founded companies. There's an interesting statistic that says that um, women are actually there's studies done they're three percent more effective at leading companies over their male counterparts, but yet, on the flip side of that, only 3% of the top CEO positions in the world are filled by women. Interesting. Well, we definitely have to make that number a little bit bigger, <laughs> hopefully, in the next uh, few years. So, Rana. Yes. Yes. As you, as a mayoral candidate, hearing now some of these stories, and they're good stories, they're positive stories, and, and they're all very successful in their own right. How is Winnipeg doing as a whole to support people like Matt and Jordan and even what uh, Gloria is doing so we don't lose them? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'll start off by a story, a story because uh, before we walked on here, I was talking to Gloria and I was talking about um, my experiences as this campaign has progressed in how different groups of people have defined business to me as a candidate. Um, and I think Jordan actually nailed it because I've been in so many rooms in the past three months, four months, and prior to me actually launching this campaign. And the answer I've never got from anyone who is currently, I would call them gatekeepers of business in the city right now, is how do you actually define business? So when you're coming to me and you're advocating for certain policies to be enforced or the city needs this or this and you know presenting playbooks and whatever else you're giving me, the answer I've never gotten from any of these people is how do you define business? And Jordan kind of nailed it because I'm actually with him. I come from a world where even as a lawyer, we all have side gigs. Our income's all diversified. Um, we, we work in different ways. Brick and mortar is actually 
almost unheard of. Even as a lawyer, my brick and mortar firm is been, has really, it's just a sign on a building, but I don't work from there, ever. I mean, I can't remember the last time I've even gone in there. Um, and the world has changed, and it's changed for the better. So that people like Jordan and people like yourself can do what you do. But for some reason, those, and, and I'm trying to be careful with my words, because I don't want to get in trouble, um, but there's people in this city, there's people across the country who believe they, they are business. Their brick and mortar shop in X place in the city, the 60 or 70 of them, they're business. What they say goes, the policies they want are the voices I have to hear. And if I don't listen to them, I'm not supporting business. And I don't buy that. I don't think that's truth. I think what you're saying is truth because what you're saying actually resonates with me as a person because I see that in my real life. So what I want and what I'm encouraged by is that even in the past 10 minutes, I'm actually thinking, wow, I'm actually on the right track here. And you're literally the first person throughout this entire campaign who has literally verbatim said what I've been saying in every meeting, and Tracy can attest to this. Every meeting I go to, I'm like, I don't understand who you're talking about. Because you're completely missing an entire demographic. Uh, and you've been doing so uh, to the detriment of folks like us, who actually want, want this success. And it's very normal for us. Right? So nothing that we're talking about today is abnormal. It's very normal for us just because of the lens through which we see the world, how we've grown up, to feel very confident and comfortable to just do what we need to do to be creative and innovative and to, to, to you know, flourish our businesses. Um, but I think we have a few battles here. So we, yes, we have uh, policies and issues that are a battle, but I think we also have a demographic battle. We have gatekeepers who kind of define what they want business to be. Um, and then I hear people like Gloria, and I'm like, well, this is amazing. This is great, because this is, that, this is what we need. Exactly this, your voices. And I think that's what will get us uh, where we need to be, because if we continue on the road that we're on, I mean, all of us will be gone. That's just a fact. Why would we stay here, even including myself, as a lawyer who's, you know, I probably have, you know, a, a law firm that's one of four across the country, you know, and it's very unique, because I didn't follow that beaten path. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be that. I want to be a lawyer with my skills and do what I want to do, and even for politics. I don't need to follow that beaten path. It's been there. We've done it. It's not for us. I'm telling you, it's not for us. You know, so we just got to change the way we do things. And um, I think even just for this election, it's very clear. We're talking about very different things. We're very not aligned. So it's just, um, but I know Jordan, I think you're, I think if you want to know what we need to do, follow him. Follow his path and follow you because that's exactly what it is. Okay, Jordan, uh, you're elected now. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan for mayor. <laughs> Jordan for mayor. No, well, and you know, hopefully like tonight and, and even it's so interesting to see this group here because we all want to know what your thoughts are and to expose you and give you exposure and, and pump you up for everything that you are doing instead of just in your own little group. But uh, Matt, I want to ask you, talking about 
employees, because it's great being your own boss, but someone has to wash the dishes or mop the floor or like, you know, pick up the wires or do something. So what is your ideal employee? And then how do we keep them here besides offering more money? Um, I'd say my ideal employee would be, you know, somebody who's eager to learn new things, um, you know, problem solver, like a natural problem solver. You don't have to hold their hand through every single step of the way. You know, they, they want to try and tackle on their own and solve the problems on their own. Um, someone who wants to, you know, accomplish things as a team. Um, I think those are good, good things I look for when hiring employees. Um, and to keep them here, yeah, I think just um, more, more great jobs, like hopefully working for PolySense or Entry or other tech companies that are starting up, but, um, and more things to, I think Winnipeg, what we got going for us, I think we were having this ch chat earlier, was affordability is really great here. So I know we're not Toronto or Vancouver, but you can, your dollar goes a lot further here, so that gets us something. But um, yeah, we don't have oceans or mountains, so <laughs> something to compete with that would be, I don't know, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's a tough one. Well, and Jordan, for you, yeah. how, how do you keep employees? Well, I know that you're looking for employees. <laughs> We're pretty early, but uh, I guess a, a part of that is just creating a culture maybe that the employees are part of creating at the end of the day. Uh, you know, like uh, Matt said, it's like we don't have mountains or oceans and all that, but like culture is key. And if we could really kind of create something around the employees or the individuals that are coming uh, to Winnipeg, um, personally, that will maybe go far away. That's my opinion on that one. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Gloria, we're talking about culture. Matt or uh, or Jordan mentioned that, and I'm thinking culture. How do we create culture if we're all kind of in our own silos? Like, you know, you have your company, but then I've got Sally over in Vancouver and Josh in Toronto, and we're meeting through Zoom or something every once a week. What does culture mean now? I love that question. And I'm so happy to answer that question because in my time working in the city of Winnipeg and growing up with a father who was a serial entrepreneur and having kind of seen the ebbs and flows of what's happening in the economy, I think when we talk about culture, you're not going to be able to achieve the culture that you want if you don't understand the community that you're in. If you know how to do community and you know how to teach a city or you know how to teach people how to do community well, understand it, actively listening to what your community is saying, you're creating an environment of support for people coming in and then giving them a reason to stay when you really understand what it is that they need. And that's hard. It is hard. And it requires a lot of boots on the ground work to be able to do that. But somebody has to do it. Mm -hmm. And that was part of why I took the role that I took. And many people have said to me, you're doing something that hasn't really been done a lot here before. I'm okay with that. I'm okay going through the glass ceiling and being a little bit bloody on the other side if I need to be. I want to understand my community. I want to listen to what Jordan is saying. I want to hear what Matt needs. I want to hear what all the entrepreneurs in this room 
really are looking for in a community that incentivizes them to stay here. And that is more than cash. That is more than a check. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, applause. Yay. Uh, so does anybody out here have any questions for any of the panel here? Yes. If uh, for Jordan, a bit of a two-parter as well for, you know what, I apologize, Mayor, Mayor Burial Camp. Rana. Rana. Rana, thank you, sorry. Uh, one, if I were to say, you know, pick up 20 kayaks, could I run a business exclusively through, or even if it's electric bikes or scooters, whatever it may be, any of these things, and then as well, would the city support, you know, something of that front, you know, without there being a brick and mortar, somebody just going onto our rivers, somebody going onto our streets with multiple of these different types of modes of transportation, how could I be able to do that? And would the city be opposed to something like that? I have to repeat the question. She has to repeat the question. <laughs> the question was to Jordan, could X person rent his own personal kayak out? And to Rana, how would the city approach that or allow it so that we would have all of these renterees renting things? And is that legal? First of all, Jordan. Yeah, so from a rentry perspective, um, yeah, like Mikey could go on the platform right now and be posted up right beside the forks technically and have, um, you know, 10 e-scooters or kayaks running, right? Like, um, so from accessibility side of things, that, that's, that's fair. Um, from a legal side of things, I maybe don't want to go too much into that, but I don't think there is any rules no. technically restricting no. us and from that. And I think that's, that's the key is that there are no rules circulating around at this moment. But I would draw your attention to things like Uber uh, and Airbnb and um, these new innovative at that time industries that popped up that were that started to take business away from other people. I think that that's from a, not from my perspective. From my perspective, okay, of course, you know, you want to support Winnipeggers. It's local. You want to keep business local and support local and you want people to stay here. Um, but I could see that we have this culture at the city that, it, it, and that's not my culture, but I'm saying what, what I would be walking into is that culture. That's the culture that we need to change because I actually don't believe in that. I believe in if someone like Jordan has a small business in Winnipeg that is basically from an economic perspective circulating money within the city, that is what we need to be doing. Anything that keeps Winnipeggers in Winnipeg, money in Winnipeg, that is key. And not only that, um, you know, we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to um, be, be innovative in our solutions to problems. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with at least making the attempt to try. Now, from a legal perspective, you know, I think that you, you be careful, you have insurance, you do all those liability issues. Please don't make me put my law hat on because I really don't want to do this right now. But you know, you, you want to make sure that, you're, that, that you as a business are protected and those who rent from you are protected. That's just normal business. No matter who we are, we would take care of that. But from a city perspective, believe me, I wouldn't be the one stopping this. I'd be the one champion championing all of you guys because it's, it's what I would want for myself. 
as a citizen to be able to have that option. Well, thank you. And thanks, Matt, for the question. Or Mike, Mike, Mike. <laughs> uh, Mike will be downstairs and he will have 10 wine glasses for sale. So, um, yes, on rentry, of course. Matt, you've been sitting there very quiet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's, you know, no hiding now. Uh, for you personally, what have been some of more of the, I guess, challenges for you with your company? Like you said, it's kind of, and it sounds incredible. I mean, energy people should be pounding down at your door. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, I think probably the biggest challenge would be probably exposure and access to capital, just being in the prairies. Um, you know, like we're not, you know, we're not Toronto or Vancouver. There's a lot more competition as a startup company out in those places, but there's also a lot more access to capital, um, access to a lot of like mentors and people who have been through this before out in those areas. Whereas in the prairies, it's a little, those things are harder to come by. So those have probably been our biggest challenges. Um, yeah, but I, I, uh, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm, I'm enjoying it in the prairies, but that's probably the biggest challenge is you're, we're sort of overlooked. You know, we're not, because we're not in Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, and those places, so, yeah, so access to So what do we have capital. to do? Good question. Is it, I like, think is, is it the city? is a very, very, very good, uh, <laughs> you know, step in the, huge step in the right direction. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get back to Gloria, but what mm -hmm. can we do as citizens for our city? Because this is a real eye-opener for, for me and, and for Rana, and, and here you have someone that could make a difference. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. As citizens, I'm not sure what you know what you could really do. But um, invest in your company. But yeah, <laughs> invest in the company. We're raising right now. If anyone's interested, uh, <laughs> I think yeah. I think just uh, we just need to attract a lot more talent here somehow. Mm -hmm. A lot that'll mm -hmm. bring you know the money. Money follows money. I think that'll bring like so startup TNT being here. Um, that's going to draw like a huge spotlight. I think on on Winnipeg and Manitoba in general, and I think that's a huge step in the right direction for sure. Can I ask you a question? You may. Do you feel like as if um, we support as a community, um, as government, and I'm not in government currently, but I'm just uh, putting it out there, as government, do you feel that we celebrate our own successes? Because you know, we have, what, three major success stories here, truthfully. Um, and I just, I'm curious to feel, to, to get your perspective. Do you feel that you're getting the attention that you, that you need to, to get that profile everywhere, you know? Because technically, you would want that profile across the country. You want people to know that Winnipeg is where the stuff is happening. Like, why are you looking to Ontario? Why are you looking to Van when we got these guys right here? Um, and that's how that changes, but you feel that you have those options available to you. Like, can you call on someone and say, hey, I just launched this. Give me a front page. Here, put me on all your social media. Like, is there, is there anything to help you guys with that promotional piece, I guess? Um, I, th I think that comes as you, like, as you grow. I think, to be fair, like, um, we're still pretty small. So mm -hmm. I think, like, as, as you get bigger and you do start having some true, you know, large successes and you do the... the People do tend to uh, spotlight you a bit more once you are a lot more successful. Maybe I'm being too, um, but we are a small company, so. But uh, no, I think that 
you know, like the big companies, like the Skip the Dishes and stuff like that, they get a lot of attention because they have achieved truly, you know, a lot of success and, they, and it's deserved. Um, but yeah, I think you don't get there, you don't get that attention until you truly have sort of broken through the, you've made some, you know, real stuff happen, I think. I don't know, maybe that's a terrible answer, but that's what I got right now. Well, I, and I, I apologize, <laughs> it's, it's just something that, like, because for, my, for me, and just as an individual, you, I wouldn't define that big ramp up as the success story. I would I would define the you know the guys who put this this the situation together against all odds and they've created this this amazing thing that 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 could be so useful across the country within Manitoba for businesses for for anyone who needs it. I mean that's what I, that's kind of what I mean. And but I think you guys yeah. but we're, we're humble, right? As Winnipeggers. This is the issue, right? We're humble. Yep. We never want to toot our own horn. Um, we always want to kind of minimize what we do. But from my perspective, I'm just like, no, no, all of you guys are rock stars. Like, keep at it. <laughs> I, think, I think everybody wants to help. Like, honestly, I think everybody in this room, all sh we all share each other's stuff, and we all want to help each other, and we all want to boost each other up. Um, and I, th I think that, yeah, no, I think it's a great, this, these evenings, like these startup TNT, like the, the, you know, the happy hours are great. Everybody gets together, and we all, um, we're all trying to help each other succeed. We just, need to, we just need to grow it. That's yeah, all. yeah. And I think it's just a matter of awareness and mm -hmm. people hearing about it, like mm -hmm. this, what we're doing right now, and people hearing about Polysense yeah. and hearing about Rentry and Startup TNT is like a huge, huge step in the right direction. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. So, Gloria, just listening to Matt... Money. Money makes the world go round. Yes, it Is does. Is there any in Manitoba? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it, it's no secret at all from any entrepreneur that has tried to start a business here. I'm not going to say it's impossible. It's just difficult. It's hard. And sometimes that old adage of it's not what you know, it's who you know. And there's moments where, yes, that's important. But that also sometimes presents a problem because it means that not everybody is getting equal access to this very tangible resource. And so that can sometimes be, you know, problematic. Part of Startup TNT's culture and what we're promoting and the reason why we come back here week after week to run these networking events through our happy hours here at King's Head is that we are bringing entrepreneurs and investors together to troubleshoot together and offer support to one another in real time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you talk about what it is that entrepreneurs need and the support that they need besides a check or besides the capital that they're looking to raise, what they really need is support from a community that knows how to invest in itself. That's a really important principle that needs to be really understood well by this province, by this city. And all of these entrepreneurs are instrumental in making sure that we have an investable community to put ourselves back into. Without them, we don't have this. Startup T&T can't write checks if we don't have investable companies to write checks to. So the work that the entrepreneurs are doing in this community you can't replace that. 
If that goes away, then a lot of churn in our ecosystem for this province dies, and we can't have that. Wow. Um, how good are we doing here in Winnipeg as a community? We're getting better and better <laughs> all the time, well, that's every good. day. That's yeah. good. Yay, big round of applause to all of you out there. Thank you. Thank you. So Jordan, Rentery, PolySense Solutions, and Startup TNT here to help. What is the face of business going to look like? I'm guessing even in the short term, 10, 15 years from now. Um, yeah, I guess personally speaking, I think it starts with that, um, that open collaboration first off, like between maybe tech startups and city and community and just seeing that how all three of those components come together is actually good business first off. Um, and we could keep moving forward in all those three areas. Um, going forward though, I do think it's gonna be like more of a hybrid like model. So like I was saying, like the brick and mortar might not just totally be what the face of small business is going forward. And how do we adapt to that, you know? Um, yeah, that's <laughs> I'm kind of leaving it there, but yeah. <laughs> that's good. yeah. Well, uh, well, and the immediate future plans for Rentry, what are they? Take over the world. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And put Winnipeg on it. <laughs> and that means anything you want to rent, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, next steps, we're really kind of focused on like the outdoor and adventure, like specifically items on that side of things and tools. But you hit it on the face. If you have any particular items out there that you're looking to rent, um, as long as it's not motorized, um, we have a national insurance partner that will cover if it's lost, stolen, broken, to kind of take away that worry-freeness from you guys, from everyone, me too. <laughs> I, I have actually, me and my girlfriend, uh, we have our place actually rented out on Rentry right now uh, in Toronto, yeah. So that means you're homeless right now? I'm homeless right now. <laughs> Hopefully it's still there. <laughs> but making money. But Don't making money. Matt. The big global enterprises. Okay, I watch Billions. You know, how he made his mega whatever. Are they still going to exist? Sorry, global enterprises? Enterprises, the Googles and Amazons of the world. Are they still going to exist? Yes. Yeah, I don't uh, personally see them going anywhere anytime soon. I don't know if that's a <laughs> bad answer or what. But yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I think they're have an important role to play as well um, as you know large corporations do. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I, I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. So do you see, though, your business, though, still being able to play in that field as the whole big world is what we call business? There still be a place for you? Yeah, I think so. Um, currently, we're luckily not competing against any of those companies. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't, yeah, personally, I think there's, there's enough space for all of us, um, and especially in like our space, there's, um, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's looked right in that sense for sure, for PolySense. Cool. Uh, Mikey, question. Mike. Uh, Mike. Can we elaborate on Matt's industry? Like I get, you know, your uh, registering of tools are malfunctioning, but is it that you sit between the plug and the equipment, and then that's going to a smartphone? Like what industries do you work with? What do you specialize in? Like, give us just a better idea of really what it's all about. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate the question. Um, so yeah, like you said, we we sit. <laughs> Teams repeating, but 
Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry, because they did not hear Mike's question at all. So, Matt, if you could please tell us a little bit more about PolySense and what it does. Sure. So, um, Mike's question was the, like, is it a plug that sits between the equipment um, and the wall? And that's exactly right. So, there's sort of two components to it. So, there's most equipment. So, our target customers are laboratories, like pharmaceutical companies and things like that, who have high-value equipment. Um, they care a lot of it's you know cost a lot of money. They want to know when it's broken down. If it's sitting there doing nothing, uh, if they need more of those machines, how much it costs them to own it. All those are all the questions they want answered, and they're all made by multiple OEMs. You have all these different you know you might have a lab with a hundred or a thousand different pieces of equipment in it. And you have no idea how often that stuff is used, when it's being left on overnight when it shouldn't be. Um, you know people tell you oh we need another ten machines. They're always busy, but it's just actually busy on Wednesday and Thursday afternoons. Um, so you can see all that data with our system. So the plug basically sits, like you said, in between the wall and the machine. And then it sends that data using, uh, we use LoRa technology, so it's a wireless, like a long-range wireless technology. So it can actually go 500 meters um, through brick walls and everything. So you only have to have one gateway. So you have one piece of equipment stuck in your server room somewhere. It's called it's our gateway. And then you can have up to 1,000 plugs in a facility, and they're all talking to that gateway, and they're all sending uh, electrical data to that to that gateway, and so basically you teach the plug once, you know, this machine is on, this machine's off, it's an idle, and then now the plug knows forever, and you can look at a, we have a dashboard where you can see software, all the machines, all your equipment that you own will be on a dashboard, and you can see, okay, this machine's on, that one's off, this one needs maintenance, um, you know, this one's used, you can look at utilization history, that kind of stuff on there. And then we also have, uh, for stuff that doesn't just plug into the wall, so things like your lights, HVAC systems, like bigger equipment that's hardwired, um, we have another piece of equipment that monitors that. So it just basically uh, uses a current sensor that just wraps around the wire, so it's non-invasive. It just clamps the, the wire, like at the breaker box sort of situation, uh, and then it can monitor um, like your lights, like how often they're, what, what they're costing you to keep on overnight and things like that. Um, yeah, so we have software that does like, you can do project management, um, inventory, uh, we have calibration and maintenance modules, things like that in our, in our software. So, yeah, that's what PolySense does. Just that. <laughs> just that, <laughs> just that. Okay, that's all. You can add that to your environmental policy yeah. <laughs> platform. What he said. <laughs> exactly. Um, does anybody else have a question? Yes, in the back. All right, the question is to the panel. Do you agree or disagree with the four-day week as far as going with culture and community? Jordan, or should I come back to you? <laughs> Maybe come back. Okay, Gloria, Gloria. When it comes to businesses, startups, I don't think there's a cookie-cutter answer. Um, that goes across the board. I really don't think so. I think it depends on your industry. It depends on your sector. I would need to know a little bit more about your business in order to know whether I actually would recommend that four-day work week for you. What I can say is that a part of retention for your company, having the openness to consider this, I think is probably quite important. When you have young professionals coming in, you have parents like myself that already have some experience behind their belt but need flexibility within your workplace, something like that can be an attractive thing. But again, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all answer. 
All right. Matt. Um, yeah, I think uh, personally, we how I how I like how we works at PolySense is that we're we're basically more, I guess, um, like results oriented. So you know, we I don't I personally don't micromanage. You know, like we're working eight hours a day, five days a week. It's you know, are we on track for certain projects? And you know, if if we can get those done in you know four hours instead of an eight hour day, then then that's great. Like as long as we're we're hitting the our targets and our milestones, then and that's how I preferred to work when I was you know working like when I had an when I had a job. Um, I didn't like being you know micromanaged to the point where you're like, oh, you're five minutes late or your break's exactly 15 minutes, and that just drives me crazy. Like I like to just be you know here's my results and mm -hmm. you know if I'm if we're getting done what we need to get done, um, then that's that's uh, what makes me happy. So. Whether it's a, f I would yeah, I would gladly negotiate a four-day work week if that's what people wanted to do. Um, as long as we're meeting our targets and we're being competitive, then that's what I care about. Rana, would the city go to a four-day week? Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think so. Don't, no, it's not that. It's not. It's not. I don't think so. I think it's just a matter of jurisdiction. Who has jurisdiction to do that from a city perspective? As in, can city of Winnipeg workers work four-day weeks? I think that's to do with the public service and trying to get their input about what they want to do. <clears throat> but I want to touch on two things that Gloria said because I think that's really um, what matters uh, in a lot of ways. So I shouldn't be talking about law stuff, but I will. Um, I think from a, from a legal perspective and just how, um, how industries are changing, um, how business are, businesses are changing in terms of how they function, but as well, how their contracts are drafted, how their employment contracts are drafted. Are people even hiring employees or are we simply just contracting out work? Because a lot of people just contract out work. That's what I do. I don't have employees. You know, if I need a, if I need a job done, even in my practice, I'll contract somebody out, get the job done, good, see you later, right? Um, it's a negotiated price. I don't micromanage you, you don't really bother me, but the job gets done. So I think that's really what the conversation um, needs to start from is what making sure that we're defining employees versus contractors, right? And if you're hiring a contractor, then that's where you would have those conversations. You would say, okay, well, I actually don't care if you ever show up, just give me the result at the end of the day and I'm good, right? This is how much you're getting paid. Um, but if it's an employee as in, you know, they have to work nine to five, like a lot of civil em civic employees, um, I would, um, I, you know, as a person who looks like me, um, as a person who has multiple things going on in life, um, like many women in this world, um, you know, uh, as, as a group of people who are consistent, consistently overlooked just due to the structures of our life, um, I, I would always go towards flexibility. Uh, I would want the city of Winnipeg to have flexible work hours because uh, it would open doors for uh, more mothers, more women, uh, more people of color, more, more vulnerable people to, to come in and, and start working in those industries because we need flexibility. Uh, the nine to five world, it, it rarely exists anymore. It just doesn't, you know? Um, and I know that there's this big push and there's this comfort in knowing that someone's gonna show up at 8.30 and leave at five o'clock. Um, but you know how you retain people? You know how you make community work? 
uh, how you support each other is, is, is basically understanding their life, understanding who the people that you're employing are. And if you want them to be committed to you, you gotta be committed to them the same way. So I will leave it at that, thank you. All right, Jordan, <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> That's a tough one to follow. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Sorry. Hello? Um, I'm gonna go for a three-day week. Uh, yeah, I think it just comes down to, like I was saying in the pa or previously, is um, the culture that you're building and really kind of having the importance of those individuals that are part of that organization be a part of creating that culture. So if it is a three-day week, awesome. But that's at least like everyone is on the same page and everyone is still thinking the same or alike. Um, but I guess that's what I would say to that. Um, I don't think there is a clean cut answer, as Gloria said, dependent on your industry or what stage you are of a company and, and all that jazz. So I just want to add to that. I know that you were talking about employees. I want to now talk about the owner, the founder, the person that starts the business. I don't think you work nine to five, seven, or you know, five days a week. I think you work 24 seven. How do you deal with that? How do you turn work off? Do you have a plug for that? Yeah. <laughs> I can show you the spreadsheet and here. Yeah, exactly. I'll buy it. <laughs> I'm in. I know. That took a long time. Like, uh, it took, you know, you, it comes in, I think, seasons where you just, you know, you have no choice but to work, you know, t I don't know, almost, yeah, like I said, 24 7 for like, you know, two weeks, then you can take a breather and spend some time with your family and, you know, recharge. Um, but I do try, you know, I do try to shut off at night and, you know, and, kind of don't go into my office at all and you know spend time with my family and things like that as much as I can because yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to shut that off but yeah it ebbs and flows like sometimes you have no choice you have a deadline you have a mm -hmm. you have stuff that has to get done and you just have to just push through it but yeah it uh, it takes a lot of training a lot of you know a lot of uh Burnouts to, for, to, to, to sort of like. And a lot know. of understanding people supporting you too, right? True, true. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Gloria, I mean, women, we face it all. Multitasking. For you, how do you manage everything? And I mean, burnout and mental health issues are a huge thing for entrepreneurs and self employed people. Can I tell you a secret? Okay. I don't believe in multitasking, I don't do it. Um, and here's why. Okay. When your attention is divided among multiple things, your ability to actually achieve a result on even one thing, you're actually reducing your efficacy. So there's that piece. You need to rethink about multitasking and when you are pushing this as something that you want your employees to do, understand what it actually is that you're asking of them. The other part too is, you touched on it a little bit, for founders, do you have a support system in place that can help you with balancing all of this? I have an extremely supportive life partner that I depend on hugely to help me from day to day with our family. And for us and our four children, and I've had to think about this a lot, having suffered burnout myself, I've come to this realization that when I'm at work, I give work 110%, but when I go home, my family deserves 110% of me, and that's a very cognizant 
little wheel that turns in my head as I think about balancing work and life. And I think for any founder, that's something you think about. Yeah, no doubt. Jordan, you're just starting out, so I'm sure you're going like 37. <laughs> yeah, don't really have a balance, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I do love working too, which is kind of a weird... Yeah, I have a thing. very understanding girlfriend. I think yeah, she gets yeah, no <laughs> a gold star. Um, but I guess, yeah, outside of that, like, I guess on a personal side of things, I just it's, it's all about mental health for me. Um, so meditation or running or whatever it might be, that's just a priority that at least I have to embed in my daily life or weekly life sometimes. But um, yeah, that's, that's, I guess, just the situation that I'm in right now. Cool. Really no balance for me. Anybody out there have any questions? Or how do you manage work-life balance. Is there anybody out there with a question? Oh, yeah, go ahead. A question for the startup, for Gloria, as this new world is evolving with minimum wage and everything kind of increasing, costs of everything increasing, what do you need support-wise that everybody else is getting other than the startup to continue doing what you're doing So the question is, are the startups getting enough support for the employees because they have bills to pay with minimum wage, with other wages? How are the startups compared to, I guess, you mean legitimate other businesses or bigger businesses? The established ones. The established ones. Yeah, the established ones that are making money versus startups. Are you getting the financial support or? Um. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Matt's kind of said it. Um, the financial support is unfortunately maybe up to this point, and Gloria's doing an amazing job, has been out of our province, right, or out of our city. Um, so that's kind of where you're searching for it. Um, in regards to support, it, it, it is there um, to kind of expediate and grow and trying to make money and kind of compete with those individuals, like you're saying, like the, the bigger established corporations. Um, I know I'm kind of like dodging around that question for you, but uh, I don't know, maybe one of these folks could help me out on, on answering that one. Gloria. Or your opinion. Sure. At the end of the day, if you're a, f a founder or an entrepreneur of an established business, there is an onus on you to teach what you know. And for the new entrepreneurs that are coming into the community, and you're talking about support and how do we measure up, Will we learn it from you? When you have gone through the life cycle of building a business, the lessons that you learn, you can't put a price tag on that. There are invaluable lessons there that you can share with the new entrepreneurs coming into the space. And entrepreneurs are some of the most coachable and loyal people I have ever met. So if you want to offer something from the perspective of an established business person in the community, they're not even asking you to write a check. They just want to know what you know so that they have the best shot at success like you did. Nice. Matt, anything to add? That was, yeah, those were both really great answers. I think like uh, as far as, I think the question was retaining employees. Yes, um, too as well. When you're competing against larger companies, things mm -hmm. like that, I think, yeah, you just have to offer them. Obviously, they're not gonna 
I think there's different employees. Some employees would never come to a startup, probably no matter how much you paid them, just because <laughs> they know it's, you know, <laughs> they know what the role, the ride's gonna be like. But I think that there's also some people who like enjoy that and would probably almost, I wouldn't say take a, a pay cut per se, but they, you know, the excitement of being and the flexibility of being in a, in a startup is, can be fun. So I think there's some advantages of competing against some of the larger companies in that sense. Um, yeah, and I think there is support structures. Like we've we have we've gotten support from the province on hiring um, employees and like offsetting that, helping us offset the um, to be able to compete against um, some of the larger companies where they probably would have been going if they wouldn't if they didn't come to Polysense. So yeah, there's definitely some supports out there. Great. Are there any more questions? Yes. Hi everyone. I consider myself. Chris, can you come up here with the mic and ask that question? <laughs> it was a loaded one. That's okay. Uh, if I if I can paraphrase it, uh, the question was, what the panel feels about the gig economy, and I confess, it was a buzzword that Rana uses all the time. I and literally don't. I shut was up like about kind it. of going, "What is gig?" And I looked it up, and Chris, yes, this is a. It's probably not new, but it is another category of entrepreneurship. So, to the panel, where does the gig economy and these new entrepreneurs coming up, where do they all fit in? Who wants to go first? Jordan. I, I think it's just like I said at the beginning. It's like that's kind of the new face of small business. Uh, you know, it's no longer this brick and mortar. It's uh, the gig economy. It's freelancers. It's startups. It's all these individuals that are kind of doing it on their own, but it might be from a virtual perspective, right? Um, yeah, that's, um, I, I think there's, there's so much like opportunity, especially in the arts and science and all that jazz. Um, like, yeah, I don't really, I, it's exciting. I don't really know much to say about it, but I think there's huge opportunity for it. Rana, yeah. oh, sorry, okay. we'll come back to yep. All I was gonna say is I think when, through the pandemic, we actually learned how to do this really well. And that was when I started my journey into being an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur in this space. Um, and there was something about building a business, building my own brand through the pandemic that taught me how to do this efficiently and really hustle up and, and, and get things done. And so 100%, there is a lot of room in, in our ecosystem for for this gig style of entrepreneurship? Yeah. We know Rana's answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I truthfully, <clears throat> because Tracy's with me at every meeting and everywhere I go, she legitimately never stops hearing about this. But um, if I'm just gonna be quite frank about it, um, I think it's the future. Uh, I think that as government, as policymakers, uh, despite what level, uh, you need to get on board very quickly. Um, or basically, you know, get off the pot basically. Don't dictate how you want things to go, right? Um, because they kind of can't have it both ways. 
They can't like limit everything you do, uh, create, create an environment where you actually cannot grow, um, put barriers in front of you in every which way, uh, trying to hold on to this old school way of living and doing business that actually doesn't truly exist the way it used to anymore. Because this is the actual future. And I'm saying this, take politics out of this. I'm, taking, I'm saying this as a, as a young lawyer. I mean, I'm 10 years out. Um, you know, and even within my own practice as a lawyer, not even considering politics, um, it, it's, it's a necessity for my practice. It's a necessity for my practice to be able to do multiple things to serve clients in different ways um, and brick and mortar actually for the purposes of what I do. And I acknowledge I have a very unique industry in which I work, but um, it wouldn't work. That brick and mortar story wouldn't work for me. Um, and I would never be able to do what I did, what, what I do today in my practice had I not been flexible to be able to do uh, go anywhere I wanted to go, work from anywhere I want to work, anytime I want to go, day and night, it was just get the job done and that's, that's fine. And most, you know, I'll use law offices as an example, they don't work like that. It's billable hours, every point five, every point two, every call, every email, you're tracking everything. Uh, imagine living in that world, it's, it's, it's awful. We're talking about nine to five, imagine living like that. Ooh, it's not fun. <laughs> Matt? It's gonna be hard to add to any of to all that, but yeah, I think it's the future, and I think there's a obviously a, a ton of opportunity there. Yeah, it's no question. Yeah. All right. Well, this almost comes to the end. Are there any more questions? Yeah, there is. So you can actually set timers and things like that. So if you know a certain piece of equipment sits in some idle state, like maybe there's a heater on it or something that just wastes electricity and it's not actually performing any usable work, like use, useful work, you can say, okay, so if it's in that state, you know, after 7 p.m. for two hours, then just shut it off. And there's actually a relay in the plug. It'll actually kill the power to that device. Um, so that's one way of controlling it. So yeah, you can basically power on and off things right from our, right from our app. Thanks, good question. Cool. All right, to wrap things up, I feel like Dragon's Den. <laughs> you each get, guys on the side, 15 seconds to totally sell your business. You look right into that camera there, Jordan. 15 seconds. <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> so yeah, like I said at the beginning, Rentry is a peer-to-peer -peer platform where individuals can list, discover, and rent out items. So if you're looking to make some money today, Download the application, upload some items, upload your space in a worry-free way. <laughs> Bing. All right. Startup really TNT. That was a great 30-second elevator pitch. Well done. <laughs> uh, for Startup TNT, we're getting ready to launch our first uh, investment summit in Manitoba this fall. We are looking for angel investors to hop on board and do due diligence on us and uh, with us and, and really... Um, offer a great experience for our entrepreneurs that are going to be applying to be a part of the summit as well. Applications are open if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for uh, funding. Applications close September the 20th and I really look forward to seeing you on the other side of that table. All right.
I'll leave Rana for last. Matt, go ahead. All right. Um, yeah, if you want ultimate you know, visibility of your of your facility and take control of maintenance and calibration and uh, asset management in your facility, then we'd love to hear from you. We just launched the Bolt um, this month, and so we're looking for looking for customers who want to try out our platform. And go to PolysandSolutions.com, um, or you can find me on on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah. Thanks, Matt. And then finally, mayoral candidate Rana Bakari. Hello. Um, you know, it's an opportunity. I'll, I'll just I'll keep it very short. Um, we know where things are at. Uh, we just as a kind of generation, we we understand what what fits and what doesn't. Um, we understand perhaps that we are always getting, getting shoved into a mold. I mean, I'm 45, I'm probably a lot older than many of you guys, but it's just in terms of functioning. Um, so I just say that. I say that, you know, I don't, um, I don't really abide by kind of prescribed rules. Um, I believe in vision. I believe in to be a visionary. Um, I love this city and uh, I would prefer to never have a desire to leave myself let alone have anyone related to me or who I love want to leave here because it's just nothing to offer. But that's the truth is that we have a lot to offer. Our greatest asset is community. It's us. Yeah. Like we are the greatest asset and I think that we just need to be lifted. Um, and that's my goal in this mayoral race and at least to have good conversations. But honor for mayor. <laughs> October 26th, go out and vote. Thank you everyone for being here tonight. Special thanks to Jordan. Uh, for arranging this with Neo. Uh, it's great to meet all of you, and we wish you all of this success, and we will be your greatest cheerleaders now. Uh, we don't want you to leave. We know a little bit now about these businesses here. Uh, I'm dying to know more about what's lying ahead in our great city. So thank you, everyone out there, for watching, and we'll see you next time on Hue. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks. For What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.